0: Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, a healing journey to self-love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wisdom Wisdom Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, we went like (laughs) very direct. Uh, Yeah. Tess, (laughs) what are you drinking out of? Tell us. Oh, it. Oops, I got a sticker stuck to the bottom. <laughs> Wait, does it did we not take the sticker off? <laughs> no, I did. You know what sticker this is? I am worthy. You sent this to me. I sent that to you. That is from Maidens of the Pacific. Oh my god, I oh, can't. Oh yeah. Read. Maidens of the Pacific, yeah. You're right. You're right. Um it's yes, like from this. the papaya, your papaya tank top that my sweet time, student made us. Every time I wear that, I
1: get all the compliments.
0: Yeah. I was just wearing it earlier too. Why is this? Okay, guys, I promise somebody, (laughs) one person made this comment about how he was trying to give us, give me advice on how to frame my camera. I'm going to see if Tori can fix it because I've moved it around. I was standing now I'm sitting and it's like somebody noticed on YouTube and I'm, I want you to know that I listen to every Feedback. So I will fix this, but just not today. So I want to just it's been a couple of weeks since my book came out, which means you still have time to buy. <laughs> you are radically loved and support. If you already got a copy, consider gifting a copy to your friend. Maybe you work at a corporation that needs to buy this book for all of their employees. Also, Tessa, let's talk about how important book reviews are. Ah. Uh. Well, yeah,
1: yeah. Book reviews, podcast reviews. I mean, how else are people going to know about things unless unless you share it, right? Like, so I'm listening to an episode. How often does this happen to you? You're listening to a podcast episode, you're reading a book, and somebody pops into your head that you're like, oh, my friend X, Y, and Z is going through this thing. This would really benefit them. How would they know unless you leave a review, share it? Like, this is how we we learn socially, right? Yeah.
0: We are social creatures, Mm -hmm. and as women, we need to support each other, and we need to be able to uplift each other. And here's the thing, I'm going to call myself out, because I think that's really the only way to start this episode today. Let's do it. (laughs) We're going to be talking about a couple of things. We have a special... Guest at the end of this episode, my dear friend Roger Frampton, who is a movement coach. He's an author, he's a TEDx speaker. He's incredible. And the reason why I'm calling myself out is because I like to just keep myself accountable, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I didn't, I knew that book reviews were important. And I have so many author friends. You know, this, you're an author as well, you know, where you want to support. Your people, and I'm like, I must have bought 20 copies of Tessa's poetry book, you know, like, and (laughs) (laughs) and I'll still continue to buy them. But, and I'm good at that. My friend, my friends come out. I mean, Sahara, when her book came out, I bought 20 copies of Eat Feel Fresh, you know, and I'm not saying I expect my friends to do the same. Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. But here's what I will say I've not written a review. For any of my people. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, like Mm -hmm. I hadn't, because I'll tell you what I've been doing the last week (laughs) is I've been going to all of my friends' books and writing reviews because I'm like, Wow. wow, this is, this to me is where you can really see how, and it's not a matter of me not supporting my friends or my friends not supporting me. It's just that extra little bit of time that it took for me to go. It didn't take, Time at all. I did it in the morning and I hit that five star review and I wrote a little bit of musings on whatever I remember from reading the book. And those things are helpful. I mean, I think about it for me whenever I go searching for a new book, I always go read the reviews. Mm -hmm. I want to see what people are saying. I want to know if this is the right book for me. I want to know what stood out to people's minds. And I think it's really important. I'm learning a lot. And I feel like you can't expect people to show up for you a certain way if you don't show up for people in that same way. Yeah. You know, Not to say that they didn't appreciate me going and buying their books, et cetera, but, but I'm like just going that extra bit. And a lot of these people, i have not even told that I went back and written reviews, but to me, it just made me feel so much better about my experience now because I can honestly say like if anybody out there has a, is an author self-published or big publisher, and you want Tessa and I to write a review for your book, consider doing a swap. Why don't you I like this. email us at info at dot and send us a link of your book. And we will not only purchase the book, but we will also review it in exchange for the same for you, Erratically Loved.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's such a sweet offer. You know what I think, too, Rosie, is sometimes, you know, I forget unless I get reminded. So it's, yeah. it's a helpful reminder. Yeah. It's not that I'm just likewise, like you, supportive, absolutely, so excited, yes. But sometimes I forget that I leaving a review is that helpful. It really is. And it takes less than a minute. I mean, yes, maybe absolutely.
0: Minutes. Well, and here's the other thing. My mentor, Stephen Cutler, (laughs) told me, I say it because I'm just like, I'm still in awe that this man is like such a prolific writer and I respect him so much. And he, all of his advice that he's given me, I'm just, I take it to heart because he's done this. He's like a Pulitzer Prize winning author. I mean, this man knows what he's doing. Right. And I also took his, the Flow Research Collective course. Mm-hmm. and he, oh man, like I'm totally going to butcher this this advice. But the gist of it was that when he's like, when you get wrapped up in your head, <laughs> focusing on all the things that you're doing as your book is happening, remember, not everybody else is in a book launch, yeah. just you, you know? Yeah. So he's like, you can't take it personally when people don't get back or if people take a long time to respond or people take a long time to post because for you, you're like in the middle of this process you've worked you know for the last 5 years or however many years writing this book putting it together and and the revisions and how much time and energy you spent on it now that it's here you're so excited to share it and you want everybody else to help you share it as well people that helped you get here but he goes everybody has their own launch you know air quotes mm-hmm. like launch or or whatever career or kids or relationship and yeah, it's, I mean, I think of all the unread emails I have in my inbox, Tessa. How many times do I send you things like, oh, remind me to do this on Friday or oh, remind me to get back to this person? Yeah. I've had people ask me for testimonials for their book at a certain time and I just didn't get to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, a month later, I'm like, oh, shit. I was supposed to respond to so-and-so and I send it real quick and they're like, oh, thank you so much. Still graceful, but I'm like, oh man, like that. Oh, like I'm just having this ex, this very human experience on the other side of it. And I have, man, so much more compassion. I'm learning so much. And um, that's where we're at right now.
1: Yeah. It's a big process. I mean, what did we say? It's, it's about th- the lifespan of the book launch itself is like, what, a three-month period? Three-month period, yeah. But doesn't that feel like after all of the work and the time and effort spent birthing the book, doesn't that feel like such a short period of time to get it out there, to spread the word, to have the
0: reviews, to do the interviews? Yeah. And, yeah. Well, it, to me, it's like after the first week, that big tidal wave was done. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, okay, yeah. next next thing, yeah. because next Tuesday, another book's going to come out. The Tuesday after that, the next book is going to come out, and it's just it's it, the, a revolving cycle, And add on top to that, just we're in a current state in the world that there are other things going on. It's not we're living in this silo of our lives where at the same time, you know, you you have to think about, okay, I'm not trying to negate my experience. Somebody in the last episode said, oh, you shouldn't negate your experience because of what's happening in the world. You should be Mm -hmm. proud of what you're doing, etc. So Mm -hmm. thank you for saying that. And... I'm also aware of the state of the world, you know, so, yeah. so all of that to say, well, I guess I, I want to give a little bit of an update and then I'm, I'm curious to hear yours because even though we talk every day, I'm, I feel like we've not done a wisdom Wednesday in a minute, so
1: mm-hmm. we, uh, we should yeah.
0: definitely catch up, but I had this experience a couple of weeks ago. I went to go teach at a high school here in LA and man, <laughs> teenagers, guys. Okay, so first of all, mm-hmm. and both Tessa and I know what it's like to have teenagers in our homes, because I don't know if you all remember this, but Reggie, my little sister, moved in with Tori and I when she turned 18. And she was with us for two years. And even though she's still a teenager, but that was tough. And you and Jorge acquired Christopher at the same, yeah. around the same time. Yeah, and He's still here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, you're, you still have yours. Mine has, <laughs> mine has since left the nest, thank, thank God. Uh-huh. But I want to just acknowledge all of you parents out there who have teenagers yeah. during this time of social media and anxiety and stress and just all the teenage angst. Bless you. And I hope that you find ways to care for yourself, to give yourself space when you need, and to just know that sometimes all teenagers want is to be heard and Mm. acknowledged. Yeah. And it was a really beautiful experience, actually, when I first got there. I didn't know, for some reason, I thought, oh, I'm doing this assembly there will be an adult there, right? Like, there will be, like, another teacher. They're you not think? just going to leave me to have this experience. And it's not like they, were, they just left me, but there was other sort of classes going on. And I was indeed left with this very sweet, energetic, extra group of <laughs> sophomores and juniors to me I just kept thinking, man, the, first of all the last time I was in a high school, well it's not true. I went to a con, I I did speak at continuation schools and I have gone to like the Y and talked to at-risk youth, but I've not just gone to a regular school mm-hmm. and done an event or a, a talk or anything like this. And I'm like I'm old school. I want to sit on the floor. I'm like move these chairs aside. Let's uh-huh. sit on the floor. Let's sit in a circle. Let's have a conversation and And plus, I know that energetically, if you ever want your child to calm down, you got to meet them at their level, get them on the ground. So you sit on the floor, make them sit on the floor, and it changes the dynamic to have it be more grounded, even a little bit more intimate. And it might make people feel a little bit more calmer. This is just stuff that I've learned during my trauma-based trainings when I was studying somatic psychology and trauma and yoga, how yoga and mindfulness relates to helping people with PTSD, et cetera. So So these are the types of practices that we would do. So I'm like, oh, I'll bring some of that in just to see if I can get these kids grounded. And sure enough, it did help, but I started right away talking and they're just talking amongst themselves and they're laughing and giggling and playing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, I'm supposed to be talking about anxiety and stress. How many of you can say that you have anxiety and stress. And everybody raised their hand. And then I start going around. I'm like, okay, well just tell me like, what are the main things that are causing this anxiety? And it's like, oh, school, homework, social media, mm-hmm. social media, my parents, social media, sports, social media, social media. And I'm just like, okay. So I'm I'm feeling like being liked is a big thing, especially at that age, right? Sort of having the validation, having the approval. And that was the gist of why the social media was coming up. And I said something and I, I almost kind of looked around like, I'm like, am I allowed to talk to these kids? Like, honestly, or am I supposed to keep it tame? What am I supposed to do? Because I said something like, listen, your guys' parents don't know how to talk to you. <laughs> <Your guys. laughs> and everybody was like, That is the truth, you know, and Mm -hmm. I said, how, when your parents try to talk to you about your anxiety and stress, what is it, what is it like for you guys? Some of them are in therapy, you know, which I think is really good. I think it's important to start kids, especially teenage kids, to get them to talk to counselors or therapy, get them sort of to a place where they can be heard. That's Mm -hmm. the problem. We're so quick to tell kids what to do that we don't treat them like our equals. I think that's a problem. Yeah. They're sitting there basically saying they're uh, stating their grievances. And then I start to give them all these tips to deal with anxiety. You know, I'm just showing them different mindfulness techniques. I'm giving them all the TikTok hacks, the ice cubes in the hand or eating a salt packet to get out of panic attack, you know, just biting into a lemon, any sort of quick hack that they can do in order to get out of that state, take a cold shower just to sort of shock your physiological body. But we started to get more into, we didn't go deep, obviously. I didn't want to go there. I'm not a certified therapist and I didn't feel comfortable doing that. But the minute that I told them that I started to just kind of share, like, listen, I'm not a regular adult. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to share some techniques and tools that helped me when I was your age. And we did some tapping, some EFT tapping. We did a couple of exercises where everybody stood up and it was a little bit more interactive. And once we did that sort of getting the energy out of the body, that movement, Mm -hmm. we sat down and I'm not kidding. It was almost like a zoom, like a spaceship landed on the ground and everybody just kind of got grounded and came down. And I was like, okay, Now let's have a chat. Like, how are some what are some ways after now learning all of these different techniques that we can get out of our anxious thoughts, or we can get out of feeling the stress? And a lot of what they were sharing was, oh, sometimes I just feel like talking, or sometimes I want to journal, or sometimes I just want to go for a walk, and I'm like, yes, movement, always movement, mind, body, spirit connection, movement. You know, after they were done, I was learning myself. Like it was incredible. Learn. I think I got. I personally got more out of it than I think they did because I was just so moved at the level of wisdom that these kids, these age, already have. But also, the paradox to it was. The level of energy, the frenetic, ungrounded energy that teenagers have is just, it's insane.
1: (laughs) Yeah, part of me feels nostalgic for that level of energy because I feel like I'm constantly tired. And I think back to being that age and I, boundless amounts of energy, right? Like, just could... Well, I was a morning person. I always have been a morning person. So I would get up at like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. and just bing, right out of bed. I didn't drink coffee at that point in time. And
0: yeah. Were so you that's always like a movement? Like, did you always, did you do sports? What was Tessa High School like?
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Well, it was, you know, as most things are, quite the paradox. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was I was always into movement. I was in dance since I was five. So I did tap and jazz for like 15 years, and then when I got into high school, the closest thing to dance that I resonated with was cheerleading, and we had a really good coach. She was very athletic, and she was really into taking us to competitions. So super fun because we bonded, and we I was always very competitive, actually. I think my nature is a little bit more aggressive and um I love that. <laughs> I love this. I love that side of you. <laughs> yeah, and so I've tamed it down since then, but it, the cheerleading allowed me to do something that was it was competitive, it was dancey, and it was a lot of teamwork and and bonding. And you know, get all my jitters out just like you were explaining how a teenager is. But I was also such a rebel, so I so resonate with all the parents. And, you know, have lots of stories about getting into trouble. But at the same time, (laughs) I was a straight-A student. I was the treasurer of my class council. I was the captain of my cheerleading squad. So that's why I say it was like a paradox. Yeah. I was like thrown in jail one night. and um, (laughs) I love
0: this story, but...
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I could go into it, but thinking about like the anxiety that came with being a teenager, and this is before social media, right? Yeah. So we didn't have Facebook. We didn't even have email that I can remember. Maybe I had an email, AOL. like later, I had AOL. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. But it was, that was a privilege. It wasn't like yes. a, a given. So, but still there's that presence of Well, yeah, we all want to be liked. And when you're showing up to school and you're kind of feeling awkward in your body, I was really tall, but like not fully formed yet, a little bit like gangly, (laughs) just awkward, right? And so I so resonate with these kids' experience, but at the same time, like it's – as an adult – Looking back on that and also having this experience of kind of instant parenting with Christopher, mm-hmm. who we received when he was about 15, now he is 20, he is such a teacher. You know, I can resonate with you showing up and and feeling like, oh, I got more out of this experience maybe than they did. I learned more maybe than they did. Because every day Christopher teaches me something new. And it's always that lesson that's like, oh, wow, this is maybe what my parents felt like mm. if he sasses me or something. Yeah. And I don't know how to re- respond wisely.
0: Yes. <laughs> From my <Yeah>. wise brain. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd really love to hear this. And I'm going to think about my response to this. But is there anything you wish your parents would have said to you at that age when you were really going through it and having a hard time? They
1: might have said this. I don't remember. But they might have said, I think it would have been helpful to hear it again. High school is a phase that you'll go through, and it's its not the rest of your life. You know, I know right now things feel like they're really important. It's the end-all and be-all of everything, whether or not you're popular, whether or not you're getting good grades, whether or not you make the cheerleading squad or the class council or homecoming court or what, whatever it is. But you're going to go on to do things in your life that are so much more meaningful than that. And at the end of the day, when you look back, what you're going to think about when you think about high school are the friendships that you had and and the memories that you made and the things that you learned from those meaningful classes, like the teachers that really inspired you or the speakers that came to your class and said mm-hmm. some things that made you think about things in a different way or made you open to exploring the world in a different way. And I did have parents that were encouraging like that, but I think it would have been helpful to to hear it like over and over again, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) What about you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I love everything that you said. I don't know that I would have, I don't know that I would have wanted them to say anything so much as I would have liked them to listen. Mm. You know, I feel like as a teenager, a lot of my grievances were about not being heard and not feeling like, how i felt mattered mm. my mom basically raised us my dad was around but not i mean he would see us on the weekends and my dad was never really present when i mean he was present but he, my dad is very like nurturing he he just anything we did was never wrong you know yeah. it was like there was always he was like an enabling parent, I hate to say, but very enabling, very much like we could do no wrong. It yeah. doesn't matter how bad it was. And I almost tried to steal a cop car, you know, like, and it still wasn't, I still wasn't a terrible person, you know, so I don't know, I'm sure there's some psychological ramifications for that that I'm probably still dealing with now maybe my triggers with Tori sometimes when he gets mad at me I'm like how could you be mad like I could do no wrong (laughs) (laughs) who knows um yeah but with my mom I think it was very much she just wasn't she worked all the time she was never around and I think that part of what I would have liked to have experienced was just more of just the listening and just Mm. acknowledging like okay, you're going through a hard time. Like, let me just sit here and listen and not fight with you. You know, I think every every time I had an issue or a feeling, she felt like it was an instinctual attack on her. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the times, maybe as parents, that's what... I, I'm curious, those of you that are listening that are parents, like put yourself in that position or think back to your teenage self and think about what you would wish your parents would have said to you or how they would have... how they would have treated you different, that it would have made a bigger impact or look, and you can't, I mean, we're not trying to take turn back time. I'm just reflecting on what is effective, especially for those of you out there who are raising teenagers, like, do you spend time listening to them? And, and I I'll turn it to uh, right now. Like I just, a couple weeks ago, I want to go see my grandma and like, Older people revert back to being children, right? And Mm. I know for my grandma, like right now, all she wants to do is just be listened to. And she's just telling me all these random stories. And I'm just like sitting there, like nodding and just listening to these stories that I've never heard, you know? And whether some of them may may have happened or maybe it was a dream, I don't know. She's kind of in that state, right? Where. Mm is this real? I don't remember that. Like is that maybe this is from when you were a kid? I don't know, you know. Uh-huh. But I just sit there and I listen to her and and I think that that really that matters to people. If it mattered to us as kids, how could it not matter to us now as adults? I mean, I'm thinking about our age now, like where we're at. I'm like, I still like to be listened to and acknowledged too. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, for sure. I don't know if this
1: is a personality thing, but I think about myself, and I think this is true from teenagehood to present day, I'm very much an internal processor, so I feel like I don't necessarily need a sounding board as much as when I'm in the presence of other to just be allowed to be and not have to have expectations or demands made of. So when I think about, I don't know, teenagehood, Even adult life right now, sometimes I just want to be in space, sharing space with someone else and not feeling like, oh, they're going to ask me to do something. Oh, they're going to ask me to use my energy in some particular way when I'm feeling like I need to go inward a little bit. (laughs) I need you to give me my space. Yeah. Yeah. So, And I think I felt a lot like that when I was a teenager too. And so, I don't know, with different personalities, I guess we all just kind of need
0: different things, right?
1: It's kind of hard to...
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's hard across the board to try and quantify, especially hindsight is always a science. We can always go back and see exactly what went wrong and why it went wrong. But I don't know. I mean, part of the mystery of living is to just trial and error. And so... Mm. I know I was texting sure. you while I was while I was in that process being like, I, I don't know. I don't know about being around <laughs> teenagers. I, I'm not, I don't know. I, th- I think I, I would prefer being around the, l- the little ones, you know, the five-year-olds, the ones that are really rowdy, That, but they get highly entertained the minute that you start to move, which mm-hmm. actually is a great segue for us to go into the conversation with Roger, because we definitely talk about movement. This is his wheelhouse. It's what he does. It's what his passion is. And we met because we were both doing this campaign for this London-based wellness company. It's called This Is Living, and they are focusing on creating this platform for people living with chronic illness. And so I did a couple of workshops. Some mindful. I posted them on Instagram. So if you're curious, you can check them out but it was really fun. And he was doing a lot of the movement-based content. And so I started following him and we met via our contact and we wanted to have a conversation. And I thought, you and I, Tessa, we watched his TED Talk and we really enjoyed it. And We just thought it would be really great to just have a conversation with him and and see what his Wisdom Wednesday thoughts were. And the conversation actually gets really interesting. And uh, I'm excited to share that with everybody.
1: Mm, Yeah. What a wise little soul, Roger Frampton. (laughs) (laughs) He is is such a wise
0: little soul. That being said, thank you all again so much for being here and we will be back next week. It was a sad day in my life when I was told that I couldn't drink coffee. People always wonder why I'm not a coffee drinker, and it wasn't that I didn't enjoy coffee. It's just that the caffeine were really increasing my anxiety levels, my stress levels. It was hurting my sleep, and it was really just not working for me. Enter Rasa. Rasa is an adaptogenic coffee alternative with an incredible selection of blends. It energizes from adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to provide sustainable energy without the jitters or that acid afternoon crash. This is amazing in place of coffee or just as your second cup in an effort to cut back. And if you don't know, adaptogens are most effective when consumed regularly and constantly, which means you're getting your daily dose of adaptogens while enjoying a beautiful morning ritual that can help set the tone for the rest of your day. For me, it's always been about the ritual. I start my day with the Super Happy Sunshine, their joy blend that helps boost my mood, and end with the cacao blend because who doesn't want a healthy hot chocolate? I can't wait for you to try Raza. They even have a quiz on their website to recommend the perfect blend just for you. Right now, to get started and get 20% off of your first purchase, just go to weareraza.com and use my special promo code ROSIE20 to get 20% off of your first purchase. Just go to www.weareraza.com and use the promo code ROSIE20 to get 20% off. That's www.wearerasa.com and use the promo code ROSIE20. If you've ever dreamed of having the chance to win awesome prizes like karaoke with Charlie's Throne or going into space with the Virgin Galactic, then you have to check out Omaze, the new way to give back to charity and have fun doing it. Here's how Omaze works. You enter for a chance to win something amazing. And then at the same time, you can donate to support great causes. It's fun and an easy way for nonprofits to raise money for you to win big prizes, like a multimillion dollar house in Lake Tahoe. And I can tell you right now that a house in Lake Tahoe sounds really nice. Here's how it works. You can go to omaze.com forward slash loved and select Lake Tahoe Dream House. The deadline to enter is April 14th, so hurry for your chance to win. If you miss the deadline, don't worry. Omaze has tons of other exciting prizes and experience to choose from. Through your donations, Omaze has raised more than $150 million to support over 350 nonprofits around the world. Everyone deserves a chance to live their dreams. And with Omaze, extraordinary prizes are within reach for everyone. So hurry and enter today for your chance to win the Lake Tahoe Dream House or other life changing prizes and experience at omaze.com forward slash loved. Plus, receive 20 extra entries when you enter the code loved20. That's O M A Z E dot com forward slash loved no purchase necessary to enter or win visit omaze.com forward slash loved for official rules inner peace is great and all but you know what's better making it to level 1000 in Best Fiends. And the reason why I became so obsessed with it is because I've been traveling more and most of the time when I'm waiting or in between flights, I grab my phone and I start to play Best Fiends. Once you download Best Fiends, you can play anywhere, even without internet connection, which is one of the reasons why I love to play it because sometimes you are stuck without Wi-Fi. You can collect tons of fiends that get powered up as you play more levels, even get access to thousands of other puzzles. So if you like to get obsessed with a game and you're looking for something new, this game is for you. You can download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. Plus earn even more with $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level five. That's best friends without the R. Best Fiends. Before, one of the things that my sister said that was the hardest thing for her to deal with when caring for her cat was the cat litter. She would say that it would get super clumpy, that there was dust everywhere, that it didn't trap odor very well, which made her whole spare bedroom smell really bad and it didn't make for a nice place for me to sleep in whenever I would go spend the night there. However. That is why she now uses Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's crystal formula is lightweight, ultra absorbent, and long lasting. It traps odors instantly and it doesn't clump. The super light crystal base is virtually dust free. It minimizes the mess, plus Pretty Litter's crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping for her. Here's the smartest part about Pretty Litter. The crystals change color to help detect early signs of potential illness in her cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, which apparently is a thing. Plus, Pretty Litter ships free to her door in small, lightweight bags so she never has to run out of it and she doesn't have a massive container of litter taking up space. So Pretty Litter works for her and my nieces, trapping odors, no clumping, and it gives her peace of mind. That's why she loves it. You and your cat will love it too. Go to prettylitter.com and use the code LOVE to save 20% off of your first order. That's prettylitter.com and use the code LOVED to save 20% off. prettylitter.com. Use the promo code LOVED. Hello, everybody. So on this special episode of Wisdom Wednesday, we have a very special guest here. And we met via the interwebs. We were both doing this really incredible campaign for This Is Living. So everybody, welcome Roger Frampton on the show. Am I saying your last name right?
2: You are. You're saying absolutely perfect.
0: Yeah. And Roger is an incredibly gifted and talented and passionate movement coach. He's an author. He's a TEDx speaker. He's all of the things, my friends. And I will say that both Tessa and I, we've talked about your TED Talk on this particular segment before, a couple months ago, and we should probably link it. But we were so, so, so excited to have this opportunity to have a chat with you because we want to know like, what brought you into the world of wellness and really what you're passionate about right now. What's lighting you up during this 2020 spring season? 2022, sorry. 2022. I feel like I'm missing two years from my life.
2: (laughs) I get that villain. I totally get that.
0: I think that really what I love about Anybody that teaches movement-based practices, there's a deep level of embodiment that happens when you dedicate your life to learning about movement, to guiding people through movement. And even though we know how important movement is just for our mental health, for our physical health... I feel like a lot of people still put it on the back burner and it's it's almost the last thing that people go to when they're feeling frenetic or they're feeling tired because it's the last thing that people want to do after a long day, after a stressful day or maybe after living through a pandemic, right?
2: Agreed. Agreed. It is it's always it's always the last thing, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. So what have you found has kept you sane during the last two years?
2: But movement, (laughs) to be honest. And I just want to chuck something in there, just a little idea. Like while while, while we're on the subject, because a lot of people get that. They're like, they finish the the work for the day or whatever, right? Which is usually people leave it to the end of the day unless you are like an early morning person. And their brain is tired, right? Maybe they've had a long drive. Maybe they've been, you know, sending a hundred odd emails. So they don't even think that, you know, when they exercise, they're going to have a lot of energy. But what you'll find is once you start, it's like you realize it's not, it's like your body's still got more, your body still has energy. It's just that your brain is a bit dead from writing, reading, staring, concentrating, you know, and all of that stuff.
0: So what are some some good ways for us to reverse that? Because I know for myself, Especially right now, we were just talking about it before we started. I'm in the middle of this book launch and I am I've not I'm used to moving every day, doing something. I I love to run, so I'll go outside and go for a run or I'll do a Pilates class or I'll do some yoga. Like I try to always move. And what I noticed is that I've been so exhausted mentally. You're right. Just being on the computer all day or running around. And I just have not felt like it. And for me, once I get into the habit of not doing it for a week, it's really, really hard for me to motivate to like get up and move my body. So, yeah, I want you to tell me more about that mental component. Like, how do we how do we shift that thought?
2: I'd say, with me personally, like I've got, I'm lucky, right? I have such accountability. I've got a couple of books on the subject. So yeah. I can't just switch this off. Right? If, By the way, if, you, if ever you want to make sure you, you train every day, write a book on it. Um, and I'm serious. It's yeah. the most accountable thing that I ever did. So I've got so much pressure on top of me, which in a nice way to make sure that I never stop. Or if I ever, you know, feel like sluggish or, you know, I'm not going to get it done. I remind myself that I am, you know, I want to, be the inspiration to other people. A lot of it is down to uh, priorities and what people prioritize. And yeah, as I said, I've just got a ton. I've just got a ton of accountability in it, and it's it's the reason. It's it's digging deep into the reason why people do it in the first place. And a lot of people I work with, they come to me because they've got some some kind of pain, and it's like it could be a back pain or knee pain or. You know, then they could be older and, you know, they could have some other issues going on. And that is such a big motivator to get them to begin. So there is there is like a bigger reason, a bigger switch um, for them to do it, because obviously the body is saying, you know, I'm sick of sitting here staring at a screen all day. I need to move my joints. And then that in itself becomes their motivator to not be in pain or to move.
0: Yeah. I think it's quite interesting that we allow ourselves to get to that point of chronic illness or this place of finally having the physical body give us the feedback that we need to change something. And sometimes we need to have that feedback. For some people, that's what they need in order to wake up to their health, to what they're doing to their body, to different ways of thinking and being. And I I love what you're saying about the accountability because I feel the same way with my meditation practice. It's something that I just do. I do it every day. I've never, I've not ever. I mean, in the last, I don't know, probably 15 plus years, I've never skipped a day. So it's, it's so much a part of my DNA even when I travel maybe i do it on the airplane you know whenever whatever it is i i try to be really consistent but i feel like there has to be the right combination of mental acuity will and also the desire to get better and i feel like when people do get diagnosed with a type of chronic illness it's more of an incentive to get well so my father just had a quadruple bypass surgery in over uh the holidays this last season so in, in winter november of 2021 and it was obviously a very scary time like it was it was very eye opening for him and this is a person that i never thought would ever change his lifestyle he loves to drink you know he he just has a very specific way of living and this really shook him. And the changes I've seen have been so incredible. I mean, he's so much more focused on his physical well being, walking every day. He's not drinking alcohol anymore. You know, he's watching what he eats, he's eating more plant based foods, he's being more proactive. And one of the conversations that we had recently was I can't believe I had a weight for this to happen for me to realize, and by the way, he has a child that is certified nutritionist, health coach, teaches yoga, meditation, mm. mindfulness, you know? And so I, I find that to be the case for different things. I think a lot of us can relate to that in some way, shape or form. Maybe it's not health, maybe it's other areas of our lives, but it seems like it always takes some big event to wake us up there you to
2: go. It's fantastic. It's, it's so good that he went down that road because he could have easily gone, you know, it's too late for me right now, right? I'm never going to be this kind of person. And so some you know, in that circumstance, that trigger has, you know, done something amazing. Whereas, you know, it could have be, it could have equally, I, I have a lot of conversations with elderly people and some of them, you know, depending on their mindset, are like, you know, it's never too late. I can still do this. You know we're living longer than we've ever lived, which is true. And you know you can get the flip side of that, which is it's too late for me. I'm not that kind of person. So it's amazing that he responded. Yeah. In that in that way to it.
0: Yeah. Who of the people you've worked with? Who's has there been a person you've worked with that really surprised you? Where you thought, oh, this person's not going to change, maybe, or it's going to take a lot more for this person to. Bring their attention back to their health that has turned their life around.
2: Oh, that's, that's, that's the interesting question. This is hard-hitting
0: questions here. This is yeah, the radically like, wow. loved podcast.
2: <laughs> All right, okay. Is that how we're going? Okay. No, I would say I use I can usually tell from meeting someone straight away what how how they're going to be and how they are as a person how people are as a person that is going to cross over. Into your training, right? If you're yeah. if you give up easily in life, right? You're gonna, you know, you're gonna get. You're not gonna get that last repetition done or whatever, right? That that mindset it crosses over massively. And how people are within their training really kind of it's just this is how you are in life as a as a as a person. Um, and it, like I've just seen and like for experience that kind of equaling out. Um, so I usually I usually tell like as soon as I meet people, like and their and you know their attitude and their mindset. For whatever reason, I just, you know, everyone I work with, like we get along well. I don't know, you know, I have kind of put myself out there. They've read about me and they, they, they know what my mindset is like and that, yeah. you know, we can always be working and doing better with our bodies. So then I kind of attract people into my life. They're on that same road. So I don't really get, I'm quite lucky in the sense that I only get to work with people that are, in a good space <laughs>
0: yeah no that's great that's like attracts like
2: <laughs> yes exactly Oh, that's
0: wonderful yeah because I don't have
2: because I'm I'm gonna be like you know a shining light and you know inspiration and, and like I can't be so fuzzy around someone who's not because they just you know it, yeah. it it won't um it won't stick yeah It'd be like a, the opposite to a magnet where it's kind of right bouncing
0: Yeah, I think more of that has to do exactly with what you're saying, the energy that you're putting out there. I think in the beginning, when I first started doing health coaching, for some reason, I just attracted people that didn't really want to do the work. And I think it was feeding off of my energy of not really knowing what I was doing and feeling like I just really wanted to fully commit. I I remember even offering to go to somebody's house and like cook for them for a week just to try and just do the most, to teach them, to help them and and then I realized I'm like, this person doesn't want to change. Like they just want to feel like they're doing something. So they're paying me so that they feel better about it. But they don't actually want to do the work, you know,
2: Right. which. And, and you offered to, to go and live with them for a week.
0: Essentially. Yeah. So to, I offered yeah. to go stay with them for a week to, you know, show them and go to the grocery store with them and show them about fruits and vegetables and how to cook simple meals and how to meal prep. And then I realized how much work that was. And I'm like, I don't want to be that kind of coach. <laughs> like, that's not this is not very wise of me to do. But one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about, you have such a great online community. You have such a great Instagram page. You're always posting really thoughtful and um, valuable content. And, and I just love why I'm like, this is, I want... Roger to teach me all of his tricks because I think it's so mm-hmm. it's so rare now to actually have professionals, movement coaches, authors really post content that you can do in a in a meaningful way where it's not just I don't know. I mean, I don't wanna I don't want I don't wanna bash other wellness people, but it just really seems like you're interested in helping people. And I think that that's what drew me to you and and why I wanted to just have a conversation with you. And I, I'm a fan of your content and it's always motivating for me. Anytime I see a video, I'm like, oh, I don't have this chronic pain, but maybe I should do it just in case. So it's preventative measure, you know, and so I, I really appreciate that. So, what's that been like for you? Like, what was your motivation behind creating this type of content?
2: Well, firstly, thanks very much i'm I'm glad I'm glad you're a fan. <laughs> 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 glad you're a fan awesome and uh, and, they, and and that you find it valuable if the fact that you're saying the word valuable just r- reminds me you know why why I do what I do. You know, when I first started on Instagram years ago, it was just I used to just post me in a, doing a headstand in a really messy bedroom <laughs> right it was like right at the beginning it was like there's yes. clothes everywhere and, and like it was just it was a mess and then like when I when I met my agent we started working together and they talked to me about the importance of value and like always giving value with what you do as opposed to you know there's two you know there's two there's they call it like ego versus we go like we go together or ego uh, and they they had this catchphrase that they said to me all the time and just reminded me that everything you post, it's not like, look what I'm doing. It's like, this is what I'm doing and this is where you can begin or this is what I'm doing. And it's just it's just a different mentality, really. And Instagram for me has always been that. You know, you've got the other side of it, where it's just like, you know, supercars and I don't know, <laughs> it's like show off a gram, right? Which is yeah. like... I don't know. I don't, I don't, when if, if, even if I did that, I don't really, uh, I don't really feel anything when I do it. I like posting stuff and it's, it's just more in my nature to teach and to help because I'm learning and I always find I learn more that whenever I'm training or doing exercises myself, I'm always thinking like as I'm doing them, how can I scale this to make it doable for someone, you know, who's not this flexible? Or who's not this strong, or who isn't in doesn't have full access to their body? And I guess like over the years, I've been able to scale exercises like even more and even more because I'm really more interested now in working with you know fifty plus and elderly people who really are at that point where it's like this is the time, like, yeah time to
0: shine. <laughs> yes, time to shine. Exactly. Yeah. I find, yeah. My, I find my sweet spot. It's either I'm really effective with teenagers and or people of the same age demographic because mostly it's like what I'm doing now is teaching meditation or yoga nidra. So yoga nidra, if you're not familiar with it, is a, a sleep-based meditation type of practice. So you're just Laying on your back. You're in Shavasana essentially. It's um a, a practice where it's designed to get you in, into a state of relaxed present awareness, and you can sort of have the same attributes as you would a meditation practice, but you can actually go into a deeper state of relaxation. And So I got really into learning about yoga nidra. And then I did a couple of trainings on yoga nidra. Then I I started to teach it. And I found that these types of basic practices are the ones that everybody can do. And, And I feel like the more accessible you can make it, the better it is for people that need it. It's like, if you start at a young age, you start to give people the tools, then as they get older, they have more solid foundation with regard to how they view their health. If you're working with people of the older demographic, then they're more more—they're also more open because they're getting older and maybe they want to bring that focus more into their, their health. And then it becomes about the actual teachings. It, it actually then allows you to, I call it, geek out on the information or the actual science behind why something works, or you can... For me, I love going into the world of neuroscience and neuroplasticity and how mindfulness can help with living a happier, healthier life. So I, I imagine that you get motivated by the same the same types of of things, which I find fascinating. It's so interesting, right? So like you and I, are, I would imagine in the same age bracket where it's like... I mean, I don't know. I've got,
2: I've got,
0: no. <laughs> uh, I'm probably, I'm, I might be a little bit older than you are, but... But, I, you know, in this sort of I don't, I don't br- so. bracket.
2: Go and hit me. Give me a year.
0: I was born in 83. What year were you born?
2: Oh, it's close. 84.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, I'm older. 84. Yes, yeah. by a year. I'm much oh, more right. wiser. Okay. I'm wiser than New York. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you, no, you, that's got a year, you
2: got a year, a year <laughs> extra.
0: I know. How do no, we- I, thought,
2: I, thought, I thought you were a, a lot younger.
0: Oh, thanks! Uh, brownie points. Um, insert clap track here. Thank you very much. I'll take it. I'm like the closer I get to 40, the more I'm like, oh wow, this is like a thing. This is real. Aging is a reality. And so, are
2: you, are you excited by it?
0: I am honestly. Like I, I think back to old journalings that I've had, and just when I think about myself in the future, I always see this, like, really cool, gray, long hair, like, just wise, doesn't give a fuck, <laughs> like, <laughs> woman, you know? Like, I just, I see her, and I I do. I, I remember my grandmother raised both my older sister and I, and I just remember I always wanted to be, like, all the little old grandmas, the little abuelitas that would come and, you know, my, I'm first gen Mexican American. So we'd have this enclave of older grandmothers that would gather and do these prayer circles when I was little. And so that was always my aspiration. And of course, you know, I get messed up growing up in LA, even working in the entertainment industry. So I know you used to be a model and you talk about that in your Ted talk. So I will Mm -hmm. put that in the show notes, but as I got older, yeah, I went into that. I had a disordered eating. I had body dysmorphia. It was just all kinds of, you know, mental disassociation to this physical form. And then once I started to do more mindfulness practices and I started to really get into my career now, I went back to that old frame of thinking of how I saw myself, you know, I, I think it's so important to be able to view ourselves from a place of love and kindness. And I think it's harder for women, obviously. Like, personally, that's my opinion. I could be biased, but I think it's very difficult for women, especially if you're in a big city. Like, I'm in Los Angeles. I mean, there's gorgeous people everywhere you look. And I think for a lot of, even now with the rise of the internet and social media, I think so many people are more focused on how they look. And now you have all these apps that distort the way you look. And it it gives you this weird disconnection, like facade of what you think you need to look like in order for people to love you. and, And I feel like there's just so many layers. I'm also very... I'm very quick to erase those types of thoughts like I literally have to go into my brain and blank the mind and pretend like I just erase a thought if I have a negative thought come in or if I start to really go that route and I I hope that I can continue to stay into this this mindset or this place of being excited about getting older and and looking forward to I know it's not awesome. I have a lot of friends that are 10 years older than I am. They're like, oh, you're going to change. Your mind will change the minute that you, you know, you turn 50 or whatever. And I'm like, okay, maybe it will, but maybe it won't, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. I just have more of my awareness and attention go into what I'm feeding my mind and what I'm feeding my body so that I don't have to go into the state of non-acceptance because I feel like that's a dangerous place to be when you don't. Fully accept yourself as you are. How did what we end did up here, do? Roger?
2: No, I just I just let you speak.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts? Please share. Go.
2: I mean, yeah I'm. I'm we we started about this because I was. I was t- we we found out we you're a year older than me, or you know it could be it could be three months older than me, but gotcha. something 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 around that, and uh, <laughs> something between between those two, and then. Uh, we moved on to you seeing yourself in your 40s and how you felt about that and being surrounded by beautiful people in LA. Yeah. There, is, there is that. Yeah, I, as you said, I was a model for, what, 15 years. So that is, it is all about the way you look. And that's definitely how, when you know, when I first trained, or started training, like physically, um, it was all about, you know, abs and chest and what you actually look like. Rather than like now, it's it's always, you know, for years now, it's been about how I move Mm -hmm. and how I'm going to be moving as I get older. I'm actually looking forward to, I start like lying about my age these days, you know, but going older, I do the opposite. Everyone's going, I'm younger. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm like 40, you know, (laughs) I'm coming up to 40. (laughs) I found myself doing that because I want people to take me seriously Seriously, because they're like, well... Like, well, you I remember when I was training when in my mid-20s and I was talking about stretching and the importance of stretching, and people were like we like 40 years old, right? And they're like, you know, you're you're flexible now, and you know, you're working on that now, but you're not gonna be able to do it when you get older, and it gets a lot tougher. And now I'm coming up to that age and I'm still doing it, and I've increased my flexibility and I've still kept my strength and I'm you know pushing myself every day. I just wanna, you know, I'm excited to still be doing this at 50 and people going oh actually you know <laughs> he has a point yeah and so I feel like as I get older I'm I'm totally cool too being the old wise guy who who's there going you know I told you so and yeah. I'm doing a little bit of, a little bit of juggling and you know I'm like you know the crazy uncle or you know the guy who's moving around and squatting in the streets and, and moving their body well and um yeah. So I, like I said, I keep telling people, you yeah, know, I'm 40. I just say forties.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause I do this. I'm like, Oh, I do the same exact thing. I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm getting the closer I get to my forties and I'm like, okay, I'm 38. I'm two years away from it, you know, but, but still it, to me, it feels mm. like 40 just sounds like such a, I've arrived number. Like I have arrived. This is who I am. This is what I'm bringing to the table. And it just feels, yeah, to me, it just feels like very stoic, very solid and very grounded. You know, I, I think it's actually quite sad to think of your your 20-year-old self and for people to say, oh, you're young. So it's almost like negating your experience. I do the opposite. I've met, so I've had, a, you know, because I have my own yoga teacher training program. So I certified people to become teachers. And I've had 20-year-old students take my trainings and have had more wisdom than some of my 40 and 50-year-old students, you know? So I I don't really know that. I think just across the board in this industry, absolutely. I find myself doing the same thing. You know, if I have a 25-year-old coach Life coaching me at almost 40. Yeah, I might snarl a little bit. I may give a little bit of a side eye, like, come on, what are you going to teach me? But I don't know what kind of life this person has lived at 25. Maybe, I mean, I knew I was wise beyond my years when I was 20. When I was 21, I was running two multi million dollar salons in West Hollywood and Beverly Hills as an ex-criminal, as somebody who grew up in a really rough neighborhood and experienced drive-by shootings and saw somebody get stabbed, you know, like the whole gamut. At 21, I was I was the boss of 40-year-old people, and people mm-hmm. respected me for it. But I think as a younger person, you really have to prove more. You have more to prove. You you really do have to work harder if you want to be taken seriously. And and I don't know that that needs to change. I just think it's an interesting case study for us to really learn about our perception of of people just going by what you're saying. I mean, I think a lot of our inability to go into a movement type or based practice like yoga, just like any type of movement, a lot of the times we stand in our own way and we create our own limitation. I know I've had a lot of students come to me and say, I can't do yoga. I'm not flexible. And I'm like, okay, Mm. but you do yoga so you could get flexible. Like that's part of the process, you know? And I feel like a lot of that has more to do with our ability to take away some of the knowledge that we have, the knowing, I'm doing air quotes, some of the knowing and come at it from this beginner's mind. That's why I love Buddhist philosophy so much and mindfulness, because if we approach everything from beginner's mind, then there's always something to learn. And you're like me where I can tell I am forever the student. I love learning. I love putting myself in that position where I know nothing so that I can create space for potentially something new. What do you think?
2: Absolutely. I'm learning every day. And that's just, yeah, it just, I just accept that that is it. Like I just, I said, part of my exercise is learning. Like I learn stuff today. Whenever I'm training, like a lot of the time I film it just to keep an eye on myself. And not just like sometimes I use that footage and just put it on Instagram, but it's not really like the main purpose. If I'm doing an exercise, I film it, I watch it. It's interesting to see what position that you think the body is in. And matching, matching what feels right to what visually looks right or visually looks correct or whatever, depending on what you're what you're working on, of course. So yeah. So then I'm going go back, I look and I go, oh, that's interesting. I felt that. Well, oh, what if I do that? Well, what if someone couldn't do that? What would they do? Yeah. So then there's there's that constant, it's that switching between learning and teaching. Because if like you can't be the teacher if you're not constantly learning, or you end up just teaching the same thing. Yeah. Over and over again, which again, you don't wanna you don't wanna be doing that.
0: No, it definitely gets boring. I mean, yeah. I just feel like there has to be some sort of innovation happening at some point or you'll just get stagnant just like the body does right after a while the body gets used to doing the same type of movement you need to change it up a little bit in order to build new muscle or create strength in different places etc
2: yeah and, and yeah you know, people tend to work on stuff that they that they're good at yeah and you know this is a kind of like something that we're taught taught in school right this is Right, you you you're good at football. All right, awesome. You're going to be a footballer. All right? They don't go. Oh, you're good at football. Awesome. You're going to be the complete opposite. You're going to learn how to sit still. Right? And then they're like, what? What do you mean? But I'm good at football. Yeah, I know. So I'm going to teach you how to sit still. Right? This and then that's insane. Right? You always if you're always working on what you're good at, it means you're never working on what you suck at. And it's through working. You know, I'm I just started learning juggling absolutely suck oh, at man. juggling <laughs> like I'm literally practicing throwing one ball in the air to the other hand and hitting my eye line but yeah it just it reminds me of you know how when I started flexibility and how I love what you said earlier about how someone said you know I can't go to yoga I'm not flexible That's enough not. yet it's, I've heard that so many times yeah. <laughs> and you, do you realize what you're saying? Do you actually yeah. realize the words that are leaving your mouth right now? <laughs> yeah, but
0: they don't. But that's the thing. They don't, you know, it's like, oh, I had another student. She sent me a picture of her. Going, this was years ago. She sent me a picture of her going to the gym. I'm, I started going to the gym so I can come to yoga. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't, that is so, this doesn't compute. and And I'm trying to explain, but again, You got to allow people to go through whatever process they need to go to. I know that there's so many layers to this, but for women, it it just is a layered thing and comparison and I don't want to wear tight clothes and I'm not advanced. And, you know, sometimes people think, oh, this yoga is this thing that I have to be perfect at. And it is so not, I mean, it's definitely not. I want to be respectful of your time. And I just, I really loved this conversation with you. And I i definitely want to do this again. I want to figure out how we can collab together because I think that people would really love that. I'm like, I said Absolutely.
2: That what? All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I before, was listening and then you were laughing.
0: I know. Before I ask you the final question because i do want to ask you this final question even though this is a wisdom wednesday episode where can people go for more information and to connect with you
2: best place for people to find everything about me would be roger.coach um that is kind of the hub it's basically like my 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 main gig is creating programs for people based on how much time they can fit into the schedule any limitations that they've got in terms of back pain or neck pain and um what what their goals might be so yeah roger.coach and there's also a couple of books and if you're in london there are workshops where you can work with me in person
0: yeah so it's roger.coach at
2: that's it just, just ro- or
0: you you that's Nothing. it that's it
2: Roger
0: Coach. (laughs) Oh, wow. This is advanced. You're going to have to teach me all of your tricks. Okay, great. So we'll put that in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this, uh, hit the info button and all of the links that Roger just mentioned will be there. If you're watching this on YouTube, the links will be in the description below. And we'll also attach any of the links that we mentioned during our conversation as well. Well, that being said, I created this podcast as a place for people to come to, to get inspired, to feel supported, to just know that no matter what, we are radically loved and supported by God, universe, source, whatever higher power of your understanding, the universe works for us and not against us. So the final question to you is How do you feel radically loved?
2: How do I feel radically loved? I mean, like, I don't know how to say this in like, no, I don't know how to say this. How do I feel radically loved? I think just only good stuff happens in my life. That was it.
0: Wow. Wow. I love that. That's so deep, Roger. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing with us, for spending some time with us. We look forward to having you on again, and we look forward to working with you.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com.